0: Standing next to you for your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride.
1: Welcome to episode 11 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I am one of your hosts. My name is Gina. We are back in full force tonight. I'm so happy about that. I am joined by my co-host, Bryna.
2: So excited that we are all here together for the first time. It feels like in months, even though I know it's not been months, but definitely a couple weeks.
1: (laughs) And of course, Ashley, welcome back. Hi, I'm glad to be back. Indeed. So we have a lot to talk about tonight and not a ton of time to do it in because as you know, we record on Thursday and we record before fire. So we are on a tight schedule. So we're just going to jump in. So we had so much news this week. So much news. We got to a point today on Thursday where Ashley would send a link and Bryna, I don't know about you, but I would sit there in my cube and just go, no, no more. (laughs) But yeah, no, I
2: mean,
1: I don't even think
2: there's been a time since we started this podcast that we've gotten this amount of information this quickly because it's definitely even felt like it's been like the past like 24 hours that it's just been article after article after article after video after the are just like I can't take it anymore
1: it's crazy so we put a cut off on the news today we were like okay hey, any more links that come down from now going on we'll go on to Sunday's episode so if you've seen something today today being Thursday that you don't hear us talk about Just, just wait, because we will get there. So, okay, first thing, we got the episode descriptions for episodes six and seven of PD. Ashley, can you sum those up briefly, please?
0: Um... Episode 6 is a picture-perfect family is shot dead in their home, and Intelligence goes in to search for the drug dealer. And then Void asks for the help of Vice Sergeant Sean McGrady, who has old beef with Upton. And then Episode 7 is the Halstead episode, which I'm excited for. In the wake of several several gang-related child abductions, Intelligence has to find a kidnapped boy, and Jay goes undercover, and we... Find out about his past and his time in the military and all that stuff
1: fingers crossed we find out about his past this yeah, time let's hope so cross your fingers cross your toes cross anything you can <laughs> for good luck that we finally find out about jay's past yeah brian are you excited
2: yeah i'm really excited i'm definitely i'm excited for six because i'm upton's piqued my curiosity about her i still don't know if i'm like full in on her yet But I definitely want to know more about her. So I think this will be a great chance for us to get to know more about her and maybe why she is kind of the way she is when it comes to you know following the rules and things like that. Um, I'm definitely excited for the Jay episode. I mean, we've talked all about this and how much we want to learn about Jay. I have a little more hope seeing as how they've dealt with these first four episodes when it comes to dealing with characters. But I think until I see episode seven, until I see the episodes after that and kind of if they deal with how they deal with the PTSD and all that stuff you know it can't just be one episode and I think that's something we're going to talk about when it comes to these episodes these episodes have been really great but it can't just be one episode you know it needs to continue on throughout the season so until I see a little bit more I'm still saying cautious but I'm cautiously optimistic based on how the season's gone
1: so far Cautiously optimistic. That's the key here. Cautiously optimistic. That's great. Yeah, Bryna, why don't you talk about our next article? Yeah. So the
2: Hollywood Reporter had an exclusive about med, which is coming back so soon and we're so excited. Um, but Malcolm McDowell is going to play a distinguished heart surgeon in this season. And so kind of the description they had is he's going to play Dr. Jaffrey, who's a distinguished erudite, world-renowned heart surgeon. And he happens to be the mentor of Dr. Bacar, who is Dr. Rhodes' new rival that was introduced at the end of season two. Um, and he's going to appear in the ninth episode of med season. So that'll be fun. That'll
1: be so great. Did any of you watch Franklin and Bash ever? No. No. Oh, my God. I know Not what it me- is, but I haven't yeah. watched it. He was he was like the head honcho on that show. And it is so funny. Funny if it's anywhere on the internet, you should check it out. Bryony, you can add it to your mile long list of things to binge. I think my, yeah, my page, it's probably on page four now, but yeah, I'll (laughs) add it. Yeah. So there was also an interview in Michigan Avenue Magazine, which I think is local to Chicago, that was with Tracy Spridakos. We will post the link on our Twitter page to that one. The bulk of the news this week, I think LaRoyce Hawkins had a really crazy week and did a ton of press when he wasn't filming because there were four or five different articles and interviews that came down with LaRoyce about the stat or the state of, you know, The show and the themes this year and the roles for his character, pretty much everything was with LaRoyce this week. And we're not complaining because we've been saying from the get-go, you know, we want to see more LaRoyce and more Atwater and we've got our wish. So, okay, there was a Matt Carter interview. There was a TV line interview. There was a Hollywood Reporter interview. Am I missing any other sources?
2: I think all the other ones we weren't going to talk about tonight, but I think there was more
1: yeah, so to sum it up here, you know at Atwater Leroyce, so I kind of jumbled up what to call him there. Um, you know, Laroyce talked a lot about how Eric LaSalle and Rick Ide came to him at the beginning of the season and they they used a sports metaphor, our favorite. They said that they were going to give him the ball more, which just makes me think that they listened to our wish list episode. Of course, I'm kidding. But yeah, um, they're going to give him the ball more and they're going to give him more material and that they have. So he talked a lot about growing up in Chicago and the challenges he faces. And he talked a lot about the Ruzik and Atwater relationship this season. And it was really insightful and good to read. We'll post all of the links on our Twitter page, but some of the most noteworthy things that he said here in the TV Line article, you know, He basically said the same thing that we said in our episode about 501 about Ruzik and Atwater, their discussion. It wasn't a disagreement. It was a discussion. But, you know, he said they both express an argument and a side of the table that should be heard and is very, very valid. And he says at this point, they'll take a bullet for each other. And I agree with that tenfold. They will absolutely do that. But he also said, you know, in that moment, they teach each other something. And we'll get into the, tonight's episode in a minute, but they do the same thing in this episode. So it's it's a great relationship and dynamic this year. Bryna, what do you think?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think one of the things, and I can't remember which one of the interviews he said it in, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting was he, again, used a sports metaphor, our favorites, and he was talking about how just, like, in terms of the Chicago PD seasons in general, he said, you know, all the past four seasons have been good. You know, it's like getting you into the playoffs or getting you into the semifinals. But this season he feels has been is so different and is so good that this year it like it can get into like finals mode and like winning the championship mode. And I mean, as a someone who covers sports and covers basketball, you know, I really love that analogy personally. But I just think it's true and you know. I know a lot of people feel different about maybe they think season five is a little too different. And they're not sure how they feel about it. I really like this season. And I think if it keeps going in the way that it's going, it could be one of my favorites. So I'm really happy with that metaphor. And I think that's just, I, I love that part of the Royce interview that he gave sometime this week. But yeah, like Gina said, we'll post all of them so you can read all of Royce's wonderful commentary yourselves. Yeah. Ashley, what do you think
1: about the season so far?
2: I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm enjoying
0: some episodes, but then some episodes I'm not. It's like up and down, but like by the time the series goes on, I'm sure I'll keep I'll enjoy it more. I don't
1: know. Right. And I mean, we'll get into a deeper discussion about the season so far because there was some chatter on social media on Wednesday night. So, we'll get into that. But like we said, we'll post all of the links and there was also a fun little quip in there about Atwater having a love interest, and he joked around that, you know, the producers are probably scared to give him one because they'll have to move the show to HBO or something. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was funny. Oh, LaRoyce, you're so silly. But but we're still hashtag give
2: Atwater a love interest 2017.
1: Oh, that is still alive and well. Yes.
2: Yeah. No, we we still want it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We still, we definitely want it, so... All right. So, let's jump into the episode again. This was season 5, episode 4. 4 4. Why can't I keep my numbers straight? Episode 4, the uh, episode was called Snitch. So, again, we were able to kind of break this down by storyline just the way the episode was structured. And something I noticed about last night's episode, the I don't know if it was the story or the structure of the story, but it kind of felt almost like a not really like, like a short movie almost cuz I remember looking at the clock at one point and I was like, we're only 30 minutes in. So much has happened already. What did you guys think of the, the episode overall?
2: I mean, I personally didn't feel that way um, because I wasn't home last night. So I watched it on Hulu later today or, or earlier today and I have it without commercial. So I, when I go, I usually just go to go and I don't get I don't feel like that. Um, but there was so much that happened in this episode. Like so a much. lot a lot and it was all intertwined and as i was working on the outline earlier today it was hard to kind of even separate i mean yes there were different storylines and i know that's how we're going to do it but so much happened and they were all intertwined with each other that it was even hard to put figure out what was going in the set this section what would go in this section because it really should have gone in this it was a lot
1: it was a really well woven together story basically it was really good so So we start off uh, with the case. You know, we'll get into the specifics of Atwater, Ruzik, everything later. But we'll start off with the case. So Ruzik is undercover with Eddie. And Eddie has an inn with a local drug dealer named Curtis. So Ruzik and Eddie are, you know, just kind of shooting the shit, being besties and talking. And, you know, Eddie's a really cool guy. He seems really fun. So Ruzik has this meeting with Curtis and a couple of his buddies and Eddie. And Ruzik's undercover name is Billy. Something that I don't know why I found it so amusing, but it was really amusing. But they have this meeting and in the middle of it, a switch kind of flips with Curtis. And he just kind of calls it quits. And as he's walking away, he just goes, oh, it's good to see you again, Billy. And so... Basically, you know, they, they kind of, Ruzik, Alinsky, Atwater, Voight, they all reassemble. And Ruzik's like, that was weird. Curtis just shut down, but Eddie's still willing to do the deal. So he goes to Eddie's house and the doors open, which is never a good sign. Most normal humans would like not go in the house, but Ruzik's a cop. So he goes in the house and he finds Eddie on the ground in the backyard, he's been shot in the chest, which is just... Uh. So, he asks Eddie, you know, who did this to you? I'm a cop, I'm sorry, but who did this to you? You can tell me. And Eddie refuses to give names. He basically, his last statement before he dies is that I, I ain't going down like a snitch. Crazy. So... The next morning, you know, Atwater's on scene, Boyd's on scene, everybody's on scene. And Ruzik's taking this really hard because he's upset that Eddie was killed because he got made. So he insists that Curtis is the killer. He's got to be. And so, you know, Ruzik tells Atwater, you know, he's so upset and he's bummed out. And, you know, because that's, you know, he Ruzik's basically the reason he got killed. And they have a really good moment here where Atwater just says, hey, this is not on you don't put it on you and they have a total like BFF goals moment. Bryna, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I mean this has quickly become one of my favorite one Chicago franchise, like entire franchise, not just PD um friendships and I think it's been moments like this where you really get to see, you know, both of them, I mean in this moment it's at water, but you, we've seen it in throughout season 5 so far, you know, both of them can kind of Reach into each other and you know help level each other out when they're feeling you know upset or angry or whatever it is. And I mean, like
1: you said, it's BFF goals. Definitely, definitely. Ashley, what did you think?
0: I agree with what Brian said. I really like them, their friendship. Their um yeah, I really like the friendship. I couldn't talk.
1: <laughs> you know what's baffling me about Ruzicka and Atwater this season is that. They had this relationship and this dynamic for four seasons, and they didn't tap into it until now. Right. That's crazy to me.
2: Right. And we got to see it a little bit here and there, you know? I mean, once upon a time, Atwater was supposed to be Ruzik's best man in his wedding. Um,
1: too, so- soon, Bryna, too soon, Brianna. Too soon. Sorry.
2: But, <laughs> I mean, so we've gotten to see little bits of it here and there, but I also think just... So we got this comment, and we've talked a little bit about it, too, but... One of the comments we got from Rachel, um, we got a very long. We always get very long messages from her with her thoughts, and we love reading them. But one thing she said about this dynamic specifically was how, in this season, yes, we've gotten to see a lot more of it, but almost every time we've gotten to really see it, it's them representing two different sides. And so she was talking about, you know, she referenced the premiere and how, you know, it. Uh, she said, you know, Ruzick was annoyed about certain things. And then Atwater would be on the other hand, you know, having grown up in the hood, you know, understands the reason why and you know, doesn't necessarily see it as black and white. Um, But like they're using Ruzik and Atwater in this dynamic and friendship that they have to convey arguments, you know, about what's going on in society and kind of use them as two different sides, which is, I think something that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. I just can't believe that the writers were sitting on such a gold mine of a great relationship and a great friendship and a friendship that had so much to offer and they didn't tap into it until this season right. I mean I'm glad they are tapping into it now but it's just crazy that they had such a gold mine there that they didn't tap until now right for sure we don't
0: see many friendships on PD like on fire we see them like all the time and on PD we don't see many friendships on PD
2: that's a good point
0: that
1: yeah, is a really I good think- point
2: I think something that also kind of bugged me, like I just said, you know, once upon a time, Atwater was supposed to be Ruzick's best man. And I think when I remember watching that for the first time and you're watching Ruzick ask Atwater to be his best man, I was kind of confused for a second because I was like, okay, great. So clearly they're friends, but we haven't seen it. Like, we had never seen enough of their relationship for me to think that Atwater would have been the most obvious choice for them for that role. But now... That we've gotten to see more of it and thinking back to that, I'm like, oh, yeah, like if we'd gotten to see all of this before that, I would have been like, oh, duh. Would've, of course it would have been Atwater.
1: Absolutely. it Yeah, it, it's it's great. And, you know, keep it coming because it's fantastic. And they're doing something in they're doing something with Ruzik and Atwater that The Night Shift did really well. The Night Shift being a show that all three of us watched. I guess it's past tense now, but that's another debate for another time. But they would show these really hot-button issues, these provocative issues that people were afraid to talk about, and they would present both sides of it. So something that the Night Shift did with an entire ensemble cast, PD is doing with two characters, and they're doing it well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. so RIP the Night Shift. That's great. Uh, rest in peace, Night Shift. We will miss you. But again, that's another talk for another time. So... Intelligence scours the neighborhood and they're trying to get information from witnesses because, you know, it's a tight knit neighborhood, but nobody will talk to them at all. And so Ruzik's really pissed off about it, but Atwater understands, he gets it. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting obstacle from a writing standpoint. I'm a big nerd. I read scripts. I, yeah, it's kind of awesome, but. Again, nerd. But from a writing standpoint, it's really interesting because your obstacle is that you can't gather evidence and people won't talk to you. That's a pretty big obstacle. So it's interesting to see how intelligence kind of navigates it. So Burgess and Antonio go to visit Curtis. And Curtis kind of pulls well, – who was that NFL player who kept saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined? Marshawn Lynch. You rattled that right off, Brian. I like that you knew that. <laughs> Yeah, so Curtis just basically stands there and he says, I have nothing to say over and over and over again. And it totally reminded me of that. I did like how Burgess explained the spotter cam. I didn't know that was a thing that. Yeah, I had no idea that was a thing. And
2: I wonder, I mean, I guess it obviously has to be a thing, but I wonder if it's just like more of a Chicago thing or like, you know, I live in D.C., so like I wonder if that's something that happens here. I don't know. I want to do some more research because it's interesting.
1: Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. So he basically, yeah, it's a dead end with Curtis because he goes all Marshawn Lynch. So Upton and Alinsky go to the restaurant where Ruzik and Eddie originally met with Curtis and his boy Andre. And the owner here is so sleazy because all he wants to do is talk about food and hit on Upton. Gross. But they use it to their advantage this time because Upton uses it as a diversion and Alinsky basically goes and finds a counter surveillance device in the bathroom. So the counter surveillance device is what they think might have set Curtis off to Adam being a cop because they think it might have tripped his wire. So that's kind of how Ruzik got on their radar. So Jay comes in, reveals that they found fingerprints for a Roland Garrett and they go track him down. But it turns out that he's actually Eddie's half-brother. So, they get him in the interrogation room. Void starts interrogating him. And, because they found, basically at the scene when Eddie died, they found bloody footprints. And it turns out that the bloody footprints were Roland's. So, Atwater comes in to join the interrogation. And it turns out that he knows Roland. So, Roland owns the Mini Mart in their neighborhood, I think is what he had said. But, yeah. This, I mean, that's great that they know each other, but coming off of 503, I find this a little bit of a double standard because you guys know that if Antonio had known this guy or if this was an Antonio issue and he knew the guy, there's no way in hell Voight would have let him in. Yeah,
2: it's definitely off of how Voight's previously done things. I'm I, Now that you made that, like, I didn't think about it until after you made that comment in our outline. But yeah, because based on being how previously when Voight does things you know if it was Jay it wouldn't have mattered he couldn't have gone in he's never been allowed to be involved in things that he knew about Antonio same thing but why is Atwater and I mean the Voight (coughs) the Voight Atwater relationship is something we're probably going to talk about a little bit later but it's it's a very different dynamic and it's something that's very it's been intriguing and I'm curious to see how it plays out in next week's episode but I was wondering what kind of what thoughts do you guys have about the Voight Atwater dynamic.
1: I view it more as a mentorship. Yeah. Which is interesting because at first I kind of thought Voight looked at Kevin as a thorn in his side. And it wasn't until there was an episode last season, like the one Atwater episode we got last season. But it wasn't until he said, I'm so glad I have you in my unit that I was like, all right, he's got the Voight seal of approval. But I view Voight and Atwater a As a bit of a mentorship, whereas with Antonio, it's just... Who knows what it is? Who the hell knows? (laughs) We're going to get into that. Uh, We literally wrote in the outline, like, what the fuck, Antonio? That's literally what we wrote in the outline. But yeah, it's more of a mentorship to me. Ashley, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm, like, excited to see that if we, like, see more of them this season like Voight and Antonio working together, which it kind of seems like we will next week kind of see more of them working together, which that's like a different pairing. It's not like you mean Voight and Atwater. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: And it's, it's, it's something we haven't seen very much. We just saw that one bit last season where Voight kind of reeled him in from beating the crap out of the guy at med. So yeah, it's something we haven't seen. So I'm, I'm curious as to how that will play out. That'll be interesting. For sure. So yeah. So basically it turns out that Eddie or not Eddie, Roland was there when Eddie was shot. And instead of helping his brother, he ran. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah, so, but he's like,
2: but he's like, I called nine one one like two minutes later. Like you can check, you can see if that's a thing. I'm like, okay, yes, but you were in the room or like right there and you left. Yes, you called nine one one, but you left.
1: Yeah, and he makes the point to Voight where he's like, you know, yeah, but Eddie's gone now. I still have to live here. But when you ran, he was still alive. Yeah. So he could have lived if you hadn't fled? I don't know. And then when they're walking out of the interrogation room, Jay makes a really good point about how, you know, if it's family, everything else goes out the window. I can't remember the exact line, but he said something about family that kind of applies to upton who we'll talk about in a bit i don't know i just found like a bigger meaning in that quote but he said something about family it's just i yeah that's cold to just leave your brother there dying on the ground but yeah i don't know i can't imagine i know so yeah they don't get anything from roland but upton finds video of a man who looks like curtis hopping into a car a couple blocks away So it turns out that the vehicle belongs to Andre's girlfriend. Andre is one of the guys in the crew. So Ruzik and Upton confront Andre and they take the car, but it comes back clean. And this Andre guy is a piece of work. So Andre likes, he's pressing Ruzik's buttons and he just kind of looks at him and is like, nice to see you again, Billy, which is hilarious. But. Andre's just pushing all of his buttons and then Upton says something, I think. And Andre's like, yeah, listen to your girlfriend, which, you know, all of the upstick shippers, shippers. I see upsick I can't. That's the first time I've said it out loud. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Up sick. Ups- upsick. Up-sick. It doesn't really flow. Like sick. <laughs> yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, sick. So. So all of the Upsic shippers out there, I had to enunciate that one, you know, they were all like, hey, look, it's the president of the Upsic fan club. Wow. (laughs) Whatever. So yeah, this Andre guy's a piece of work. So basically they find out that, or Atwater finds out that Andre's girlfriend deals drugs out of an unlicensed beauty salon. So they go to the salon and they arrest her. Basically they couldn't get her the first time, so they found a reason to get her the second time. And this is when the shove heard round the world happens. So again, Andre's pushing Ruzik's buttons. Upton says something and he just screams at her and is like, shut up, bitch. And Ruzik flies off the handle, flies off the handle. So I was okay with the shove, but then he totally decked him. And I was like, Ruzik, holy shit, what are you doing? I remember this came out as a sneak peek last week without any context and Twitter lost its shit. What did you guys think when you saw this sneak peek?
2: Definitely not that. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard now seeing that we do have the context to remember exactly what I thought in that moment, but I definitely didn't think that. And then I definitely thought, you know, I had a big problem with Upton's line that she gives, you know, she's like, When she kind of shoves Ruzik away and she's like, what the hell? And, you know, she's talking about basically, like, remember, we're being watched. Like, you know, what you almost like what you do reflects on me. And, like, I'm a rule follower, so stop doing your shit because I don't want to get in trouble. And I was like, whoa, like, you guys, in this moment, you're partners. I know traditionally you're not partners, but in this moment, you're partners. And, yes, maybe Ruzik slightly overreacted just a tad bit. But, like, you could have gone about that a whole lot more. And seeing it in context and with, you know, seeing what we knew about Andre and, like, how the case had evolved up in that point, I didn't think the scene was as big of a deal. But isolated, it's a really, it's really problematic.
1: Yeah, out of context, when I saw the sneak peek, I mean, I went back to 501 and I was like, what are they doing to Ruzik? He's doing all of these horrible things. This is a mess.
2: I think that was, like, your first reaction in our group text is like, what the fuck are they doing to Ruzik? Yeah, but what are they doing to Ruzik? But that's a
1: different conversation (laughs) for a different time. Right, but in context though, in the context of the episode, it made more sense because, Mm -hmm. you know, pushing Ruzik's buttons and pissing him off like that, heck yeah, he's going to fly off the handle. I mean, we saw it when Bert just got shot in season two. Right, he's
2: always been like that. You know, he was someone who came out of the academy, didn't even really finish the academy or whatever that situation was. And, like, you know, he's always been someone who kind of, you know, reacts before he thinks. And this was just another moment of that. You know, it really wasn't as out of character as when the scenes isolated, it made it seem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was just, that whole scene was just crazy. And I think we're going to get into it when we talk about Ruza here in a little bit, but it was nuts. Yeah,
2: but I think something was interesting that, you know, in our message from Rachel, when she was talking about everything she thought about the episode, you know, she was talking about how much she loves Upton. And, you know, she said, this was almost what, you know, one of her favorite scenes and, you know, at first, you know, she was saying one of the reasons she liked Upton was, you know, because in that moment where music threw the punch, she like, what the hell? And she, Rachel says, you know, I know a lot of people think, oh, he was just protecting her. But she was right in what she said to him. You know, he can't just lose his head like that, um, especially with Big Brother watching. And so did, Rachel said that's actually one of her favorite Upton scenes, which I think is interesting.
1: That is interesting. Something else I noticed in that scene was when... Upton's like you can't just go hitting people when they piss you off. At least not in front of me. Has she met Voight? Voight, right? I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like,
2: um, has she not seen Voight? But at Does the she, like, I, I guess she hasn't seen, seen him. At the same like, time, yeah. At the same time, Voight hasn't been himself this season. So, has she really seen Voight? No. I mean, at the end of last season, maybe. Maybe, but like. Comparatively to what everyone else has seen, she hasn't really. But yes, I definitely agree. I think in that moment, like, it also just makes it kind of wonder, like, what is your training like? And what have you experienced and gone through that got you to you saying that? Because clearly she doesn't have the same kind of, like, training and experiences as everyone else has had in intelligence and, you know, around Voight and around that lifestyle and mindset. So I'm kind of curious to see in two weeks. No, next week? No, two weeks until the Uptin next. episode. Two weeks until the up ep- up episode. So I'll be curious to see kind of what we learn about her and then go back and be like, oh, I wonder if that makes sense, if this comment makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if maybe Voight just doesn't seem that scary to her because remember when she came in, like the first thing out of her mouth, she was mouthing off to him? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe she's just not that intimidated, but she should be. Void is scary. Wait till he brings somebody to the cage. What is she
0: going
2: to do then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> are we ever going to see the silos again? I'm curious. Yeah. With well, the way he's going,
2: probably not. But that's a Well, no, but
1: probably there are no cameras at the silos.
2: Yeah, but like Void's been acting all like drama queen and moody and not Void.
1: So, For real,
2: though.
1: Yeah, for real. So basically, Kevin and Adam are back in the bullpen and they're talking to Voight and they have a little, not even like a lover's quarrel, but they have, they get into one of their, you know, Voight and, not Voight, Ruzik and Atwater discussions where they're presenting both sides of the issue and Voight stops them and Voight tells them to go find Roland. And that's when Kevin gets a beep on his phone and it turns out that Roland was killed. Dun, dun, so dun dun dun. So they go to the convenience store, and Jay mentions that some a witness saw someone throw something into the dumpster. So at this point, Voight goes to see good old Anna, not Severides Anna, the Anna that we wish came back. We we mean Justice Anna, Anna Valdez. So who we also were happy to see. So happy to see. So happy to see. Welcome back, Monica Barbaro. I hope you stick around. It would be great. So, Voight's running down all of this evidence, and unfortunately, Anna says that, you know, it's pretty obvious that Curtis was the shooter and Andre was the getaway driver, but they don't have enough to move the case forward. Bummer. Bummer. (laughs) Something else interesting happens in this scene, but we'll get there. So, Intelligence finds another video where they can see the guy throwing the gun into the dumpster. They still can't tell who it is, but they also see someone kind of in the corner of the video, and they notice that there was another witness. Now, at the beginning of the episode, Atwater's little brother Jordan turns 15, and Atwater gives him these shiny new sneakers that Jordan's just ecstatic about. He's the best big brother ever. It's a really sweet scene. But in the corner of the screen, they see somebody, and they can't make it out. Well, Adam spots the sneakers, and Burgess and Atwater have this moment of like, oh, shit. Yeah, oh shit, because it's Jordan. Jordan was the witness. So crazy. So they have a whole big to-do about Jordan. You know, should he should he identify the shooter? Should he not? Do we protect him? Do we not? Long story short, Jordan IDs Curtis as the guy who threw the gun into the dumpster. So intelligence goes to find him. There is a crazy shootout that ensues here. We don't usually see like knockdown drag out shootouts, but this one was pretty eventful. I think if you look closely, Ruzik might've taken one to the vest. Did you notice that or am I just crazy? I'm gonna have to go back and watch,
2: but it was definitely a crazy shootout. We it was, I liked it. I wished we got more of them. Not that I want to see people in shootouts all the time, but it was like (laughs) a good, like two minutes
1: of drama. Yeah, no, it really was. It really was. Something that always gets me and this is because I know nothing about guns, but sometimes they shoot with one hand. I'm like, I thought you couldn't do that. Maybe you can. I have I no know. idea. If you know, please don't judge me, but please tweet us and let us know. I'm
0: curious. They was doing that in season 1. Uh season 1 was on Oxygen the other day and Void
2: did that in one episode where he shot with one hand. voight does it all the time. He just like yeah. he kind of has that thing, I mean, we're on video so, like, I could show you guys, but it wouldn't make sense for the podcast. But, like, it's just, like, yeah, Boyd does it all the time, and it confuses the heck out of me.
1: Yeah, I'm also the same girl, though, who saw the movie Wanted with Angelina Jolie. Do you guys remember that movie where they curved no. the bullet? Um, They curved the bullet, and I basically looked at a friend and was like, can you actually do that, though? And he thought I was insane. But this was also, like, 10 years ago, okay? I've learned stuff since then. But, yeah, I'm curious about that. So, yeah, Jordan IDs Curtis. There's a crazy shootout. It ends with Atwater chasing him into an alley. And so Curtis runs into this alley. He goes to climb up this wall. This wall that had holes for his hands and feet, by the way, and can't make it over the wall. So basically Curtis is sitting there and Kevin has the gun all one handed like I'm like gesturing on into video. You can't see me right now, <laughs> but. He tells Curtis to pick up the gun and he's just like begging him. He's like, please, no, go ahead. Pick up the gun. Do it. And it's basically so that if Curtis picks up the gun, Atwater can shoot him. So Voight kind of slowly waltzes in like Voight does. He just walks up on the scene and he just kind of stands there with Kevin. And they have this really interesting moment where Voight at one point looks at Atwater and he's just like, it's all right, Kevin, I've got you. And with any other character, that's the kind of moment that you would be like, oh, that's so great. They're such a team. They're looking out for each other. They've got each other's back. Only, Voight was not trying to stop him here. Voight was saying, like, I'm your lookout. If you want to shoot him, go ahead, because the coast is clear. Such I, a Voight moment. It's such a Voight moment. It's kind of cringeworthy, though. I I don't know. I cringed a little bit because I was like, oh, Voight, don't do that. Like... Right, Don't do that. and it
2: also kind of goes back to the moment earlier in the episode where, you know, Voight, and when they're trying to decide whether Jordan should, you know, say something or not, you know, and Voight's like, and Kevin's like, you know, I'm basically like, I want to do what's right, you know, you know, I want him to do this, you know, it's bigger than us and it's bigger than this, and Voight's like, something along the lines of like, you know, no, what doing is right is standing by your family, which basically is another way of Voight saying like, protect your family at all costs. And if you have to do something that's illegal, then go do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of circles back to what I was saying about Void and Atwater being a mentorship. I don't think that's the kind of mentor I would want for Atwater.
2: But I also, no, go go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, I also think Atwater because of his, because of the way he grew up in the neighborhoods he grew up in and what he experienced, you know, throughout his life. I think if it was anyone else but Atwater, I'd be a little more afraid of them falling into Voight's trap. But I think because of the things Atwater's seen, he knows that he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do the things, you know, like just killing just because, and that's because that's the easier way to go about things. Um, And so I'm not afraid, even even if Voight does take Atwater under his wings as a mentor, I'm not afraid of what
1: that means for Atwater. So let me ask you this then. So say Upton and Antonio don't roll up. Does Kevin shoot? No. Ashley, what do you think? No. Yeah, I don't think he does either. He's too... I thought about it for a second. You know, he's too consumed by guilt in that moment because he feels guilty about Roland and he feels guilty that, you know, he let his brother ID Curtis. And so I don't think he would either. Right,
2: And I also think he's so... He, I mean, he's the one who takes care of Jordan and Vanessa, and so he's so gun ho about making sure that he does the right thing, so that they have someone positive to look up to. That if he did that without, you know, having a legit reason to, you know, without having, if Curtis hadn't picked up the gun, then he would feel so guilty, and he would, you know, he wouldn't be able to probably. He'd probably send Jordan and Vanessa off to live with a different family member or something because he couldn't feel like he could be the best guardian to them that he wanted to be so I don't yeah which is
1: I find I now now that I think about it like I'm glad you brought that up that you know Atwater probably wouldn't succumb to Voight's ways because you know I initially thought I was like I don't think I want Voight mentoring him because Atwater's gonna you know just take that on but now the more you explain that the more I'm like oh yeah no you're right he wants to be you know Jordan and Vanessa are priority over everything else right and I think Yeah, I think you could say that. I think that's part of the reason why
2: everyone that's in intelligence can actually stay in intelligence and work in intelligence and work with Voight. It's because they're such, they seem to be all so molded by their past and their experiences. Like I think about Jay and I think about, you know, Jay's experiences in the army and that, yes, we don't know a whole lot of details, but we know he's had them. And so I think that's part of the reason why he can stand his own against Voight and keep his, you know, his moral compass in sight. And work with Voight, and you know, I think about Antonio, and I think about Al, and I think about all these other people who are in intelligence. And I think if it had just been anyone else, it wouldn't be the same. And they would just fall. They would just succumb to everything Voight says.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you have a microphone to drop? Like you just made such a good <laughs> point. Just like drop the mic. I wish. Just, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, they end up arresting Curtis and. Yeah, Antonio and Upton kind of roll up, and that's the end of that, because Voight is like, I've got you, Kevin, it's okay. And then Antonio and Upton, our little rule followers, they kind of stroll up, and Voight's just like, yeah, stand down. And that ends the case. It was a crazy case. So let's talk more about Atwater here. So episode starts, it's Jordan's birthday, and of course Burgess is there too, because, you know, Atwater's like the luckiest guy in the world, because he's got two BFFs. He's got Burgess and Ruzik. I love it. So Burgess is there and yeah, Jordan gets the sneakers, which is great. And Atwater has to leave to go help Ruzik on the undercover gig. There was a funny moment here where Ruzik texted Atwater and Atwater was like, yeah, I have that undercover thing with Ruzik. And Burgess goes, no, I'll go. And he's like, you don't have the right paint job. (laughs) Yeah, Only Kevin could say that though. Literally only Kevin. Yeah. So... They go, or Atwater goes to help him. Another thing I wanted to point out is that Atwater plays lookout for Ruzik again. He doesn't get punched this time. Shocking. I know. Score one for Atwater. So they find, so nothing really pops off with Atwater until after Roland is killed. So Roland is killed, and they leave the mini mart, and Ruzik spots Jordan in the crowd. And so Kevin confronts him and is like, what the hell are you doing here? And... Jordan just kind of explains, but then Jordan realizes that it's Roland, and so he's kind of spooked, and so Kevin just kind of takes him home. So once they recognize Jordan in the surveillance video, Kevin sits him down and is like, okay, what do you want to do here? So Jordan has seen the guy's face who threw the gun in the dumpster, but he doesn't want to identify him because of the whole snitching thing. You know, he hates people hate snitches. He's afraid that he's going to end up dead. And so when Kevin asks him what he wants to do, Kevin just basically spews so much wisdom here. So the first thing he says, he goes, you didn't do anything wrong. As far as I'm concerned, you're not a snitch. You're brave. And then he goes on to tell him, he says, you know, I want you to have self-respect and know the right thing when that or he, I says, I want you to be able to look in the mirror every day for the rest of your life and know that you did the right thing when it mattered. So good. Yeah, LaRoyce killed
2: that monologue. Like He absolutely killed it. And like you said, Gina, I mean, LaRoyce is like this too in real life. You know, we see him always dropping like wisdom and things on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. But, you know, in this moment, Atwater just spilled his heart out. And, you know, it, it, was, just, it was just so good. You know, Atwater's always good about cutting to the heart of the situation and being the heart of the situation. And it really shined.
1: He's like PD's Herman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Kinda. Yeah. In a different way, but still, yes.
1: Yeah. So, you know, before Jordan goes to the station to ID Curtis, Voight stops him. Voight stops Kevin. And so, you know, he asks him, he's like, are you sure about this? And Kevin's like, no. And so Kevin says that he's letting Jordan do this because it's what's right. But Void counters and says doing right for his family is more important. And this is kind of where the mentorship thing comes into play because Atwater has to be a father to Vanessa and Jordan. He has zero experience as a father. He's just their big brother who has to take charge. Void, of course, has experience. Rest in peace, Justin. But... Yeah, it's a it's, a, it's a, an interesting moment where he says, you know, doing what's right for your family is way more important than doing what's right. Or actually, that is more so what that's more doing what's right than, you know, IDing Curtis. Right.
2: But it, like I said, I mean, in this case, it's kind of going back to him being normal Voight and saying that what is the best way to follow legal procedure wise is not always what you should do.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Void going back to normal. Void, it's a nice little return there since normal void has gone MIA. Yeah, but yeah. So Jordan IDs Curtis in the room with Atwater, Void, and Anna, and this is a really good scene because pay like when you go back and rewatch the episode, if you do go back and rewatch, which you know we're all diehards here, there's no judgment. So pay attention to Atwater here because he. Doesn't say anything, but it's all in his face. He's got these big eyes that are just so scared for Jordan. It's just a really good moment because we never see that out of Atwater. We never see vulnerability or anything like that. So it's a good moment. And so Jordan IDs him. Atwater still has that face of like, what did we just do? And so obviously we have the moment with Curtis in the alley. And that goes by. And at the end of the episode... Kevin takes Jordan and Vanessa out to eat. And the writers pulled a fake out here that I kind of love. Atwater was totally on edge about the repercussions of what happened. And, you know, a car rolls up slowly outside the restaurant and Atwater's senses are kind of heightened. And then a guy goes to walk in and Atwater's just like zeroed in on this guy. So much so that when he walks in, the guy reaches into his pocket and Atwater pulls his gun it just kind of shows the cost of, or Adam, it kind of shows the cost of Kevin's decision in letting Jordan ID this guy is that, you know, now he's scared that something's gonna happen. I thought it was a really well set up scene. And it was a total fake out because I freaked out on Twitter when it happened.
0: When there was that loud noise, like something dropped or something that like scared me. And I literally
2: jumped out of my seat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think this is a really good fake out. And I definitely think it does a really good job of kind of setting up kind of the aftermath we're going to see in next week's episode. And, you know, because I think next week's episode, yes, there's obviously the big case. Um, That looks really intense based on the promo, but you know, it also is Kevin dealing a lot with, you know, what to do with Jordan and Vanessa to keep them safe after he's let Jordan ID this guy. And so I
1: think it was a really good setup for next week as well. Yeah, it was really good. It was really, really good. So the Atwater situation you know, it, it was definitely really interesting. And, you know, Laris knocked it out of the park, just like we thought he would. So it, it was it was good to see. It's, it's good to see this other side of Atwater. So let's dive into Ruzik a little bit. Because just like Brian had said last week, there was a Ruzik subplot. So, you know, Ruzik went undercover with Eddie. And Eddie was killed. Ruzik took it really hard because, you know, Eddie was kind of his guy. And so Andre pushes his buttons and the shove heard round the world happens. And so, like I was saying before, I was really pissed when I saw it out of context. In context, it makes a lot more sense. But I will say, I'm not crazy about how Haley handled the whole situation. Are you guys? You mean the situation,
2: like, in the moment or the situation kind of after that we're getting ready to talk about?
1: Well, okay, the the first two moment. So the moment when it happened with Andre and then the moment in the locker room.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, definitely not in the moment in the locker room. I think that's an issue.
1: Yeah, and so this is where, you know, how Voight you know how Voigt was telling Kevin, you know, doing what's right for your family is more important. There's a bigger meaning there because the same thing applies to intelligence. Protecting yep. the family is more important than Everything else. Yep. So there, you know, there was definitely a bigger meaning there. I just, I wasn't crazy about how she handled it. But Vo- or Haley like shoved him against the car, which at first, you know, yeah, that was great. That was great to see her kind of not taking his shit. But what she said, I wasn't crazy about the whole thing about reform and how, you know, he can't hit people in front of her. And then later, because Voight calls Ruzik into the office later and says that a complaint was filed about how Ruzik handled the situation. But handling Upton is on him. So he goes to talk to Upton, and Upton is still willing to just completely throw him under the bus. Yeah. Not crazy about it. Yeah, Brandon, what did you think here?
2: No, yeah. I definitely think, like you said, the, I didn't think about the double meaning of, you know, what Boyd says about family. But it's so true, and it's the, my reasons are still the same. I mean, intelligence is its own family, and you don't do things to piss off the other me- people that you have to work with because they are your family. And yes, you might not get along, but they're still – your family and so you take care of your family and you do what is best to protect your family and so yeah she I didn't like the fact that she doesn't immediately I mean not that I needed her to immediately agree about covering up for music, you know I felt like there could have been a discussion there about the whole thing but it still should have ended with her being like okay I'll think about it or at least like her being like if it didn't if it did if she didn't say yes right away she should have said okay I'll think about it and then she still sort of said yes in the end
1: yeah, she just seemed kind of righteous about it. Just like, you know, that's not how you do things, and I'm right. So that's that. Yeah, and that's the kind of complex
2: about her that I'm not a fan of. I don't like the fact, and this is kind of why I don't like about Voight either, is I don't like the fact that it's their way or not any other way at all. And yeah. And that's what, that's like what you're, irks me about Voight and that's what irks me about Upton and that's why I can't fully get on the Upton train yet
1: um yeah no Ashley what were you gonna say yeah I feel the same way yeah it's yeah so you know of course Voight tells Ruzik exactly what he needs to tell the review board because that's Voight doing Voight things but yeah he goes to handle Upton and Upton does not handle it well and yeah it's just it wasn't crazy about it so Later on, they talk at Molly's, Ruzik and Upton do, and it turns out that Upton got the witness to recant her story. The setup here was interesting, though, because it was Ruzik, J. Burgess, and Upton at this table at Molly's. And so Burgess toasted to Jordan and Haley said something smartass, something about like, yay for Jordan going against this ridiculous ingrained code. And Adam's like, you want to talk about this? Let's talk about it right now. And so Jay's like, just let it go. No, Jay, step aside. Do not let this go. They need to hash this out. Like, shut it. So they go talk about it. And turned out the witness recanted her story. And so Adam's trying to be a good sport about it. And Upton just goes, I didn't do it for you. Okay. She's got an attitude here. I just don't like it. It's just bad. So we got a DM here from Jennifer, and she makes a good discussion point about Upsick. It's so weird to say out loud. Oh, my God. So Jennifer goes, you know, I wouldn't mind Upton and Ruzick hooking up, even if it's for an episode or two. So then she goes on to say, she goes, did you see the way Burgess looked when Ruzick stepped away to talk to Upton at Molly's? I have one answer for that. Hell, yes, I did. Did you guys see that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then she says, you know, does it make him look like he's someone that goes around to different women in the unit? And she said, maybe so. I don't think so. What do you guys think here? I
2: mean, even if it does, it's Ruzik. It's not like it's Jay. You know, it's not like Ruzik doesn't already have this kind of like reputation with women in the unit. You know, it'd be different if it was anyone else, but it's Ruzik.
1: Yeah, but Ruzik still dated someone in the unit. So why is it different for Jay, but not for Adam? Because I feel like Ruzik has this
2: more like, for lack of a better word, like player mentality. So it wouldn't be different. Not that that it's different that Ruzik would date someone in the unit, but just that Ruzik would go from someone else to someone else, like more quickly. Because he's got that kind of like, Ruzik was a player, Bad boyish. Right, and, like, you know, he had three fiancés and, like, all that stuff. Yes, they were serious relationships, but he still had three of them and, like, that more part of it, more than, like, Ruzik's dating someone in the unit. That part I don't think is a big deal.
1: It's just interesting to me that, you know, when Severide goes from woman to woman, we blow gaskets, which we will always continue to do. Don't think that's going to change. <laughs> but, you know, when... When Severide goes from woman to woman, we get pissed off, but yet we're okay with it for Adam. I think it's because Severide,
2: I don't know. I feel like, you know, that's a great question. I don't know. I feel like maybe more often than not, Severide is painted in these moments of like, he has more, not that Ruzik doesn't have the potential to settle down. Clearly we've seen him engage. We've seen him engage twice. He's been engaged three times. But we don't get to see, (coughs) sorry, that side of Ruzik as much. And so maybe we're just more used to seeing Severide more vulnerable. And so, like, we get more angry about it where we just haven't gotten to see that part of Ruzik as much.
1: That's true. And, I mean, granted, you know, Ruzik has gone through as many women in five seasons as Severide goes through in about ten minutes on an episode. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the question I have for you guys. So, and Jennifer also makes a good point that, you know, if Ruzik and Upton were to hook up, it would be kind of like a Jay and Gabby moment from season two of Fire, which is cute, but not endgame. Because Gabby and Jay were adorable. I don't care what anybody says. They were cute for the moment. So here's the question I have for you guys. Are you here for an Ubzik hookup? It's so weird to say out loud. Are you here for it? Yes. And I like, I think they'll be
2: cute together. Like, I'd like to see it happen. Bryna. Oh, yeah. I'm so here for an upstick hookup. And I think, am I the only one that felt tension every time they had a discussion? And especially at the end of the episode, where the tension is more than just, like, over rusic almost punishment. Like, it almost, in a romantic way, like, there was this palpable tension between. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, and,
0: like, that locker room scene, when Jay
2: walked in, it looks like he was, like, interrupting a couple fight. Right. Exactly. And I'm like Jennifer. I mean, I'm definitely not here for it as Endgame, but I'm so here for it on like a Jay and Gabby relationship level because I agree, Gina. I think that's I love the Jay and Gabby stuff. Again, not for Endgame, but for the five episodes that it lasted, I was so here for it. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely not for on an UBSIC like Endgame. And I don't even know if I would say like I'm shipping UBSIC, but I'd so be down to see them cross that line and see if I would like say I ship them I don't know
1: see I did feel that tension in the last scene but it was it was more odd to me than anything when when Upton walks away and Ruzik finishes finishes his drink and just says copy that I was like what just happened oh see I thought it was more like
2: sexy and I don't know I thought it was good
1: (laughs) at the moment at this very moment I am not here for it and Upton and Ruzik hookup just because Upton left me with a really bad taste in my mouth this episode really bad taste in my mouth like yeah you ended up covering for the family in the end but don't act like it was such an inconvenience to you
2: interesting I wonder if you'll change your mind though as like we see it because I remember when we had like the Severide and Anna thing first started neither one of us were on board with that at all like we were like oh it's another severide thing like fuck the circle of life and whatever and then we (laughs) saw (laughs) and then we saw anna and i loved anna and i really hate the writers killed her off and i still bitter about this to this day but i grew i grew to obviously love anna so i wonder if you'll change your mind
1: yeah i grew to love anna as well i also think you just invented a new hashtag fuck the circle (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I grew to love her as well, and you know that pained me to do because I can't stand any of the women that the women that come in and out of Severide's life. But again, that is a discussion for Sunday's episode.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I'm I'm not here for it right now, but I you know stay tuned. I might change my mind. I don't know. So the last thing that we got to talk about, and again, I wrote this in the outline, big bold letters, just Antonio. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? So, and this is a small subplot, but it's still something. So Antonio, midway through the episode, just kind of casually mentions to Voight that he's got to miss part of the shift because he has a parent-teacher conference. And Voight's like, whatever, go ahead. So Voight goes to the court to talk to Anna, and he notices in the distance that there's Antonio talking to somebody in a suit. And Voight takes a picture of this. All sneaky. And, Surprise, Voight yeah, knows t- how to use a smartphone, TBH. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually what I was thinking. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, he, he uses the camera, like, no big deal. And he takes the picture, and it turns out Antonio lied to Voight. Is he insane? Yeah.
2: Uh, keep going. <laughs> we can't, uh, keep going.
1: Yeah, like, is he insane? So... You know, they go back to the district. Voight's like, how was the parent-teacher conference? And Antonio's like, great, Eva's getting all A's. I'm sorry, but if Eva's getting all A's, why does she need to have a parent-teacher conference? Get better at lying, Antonio. Or just don't lie at all. So, Olinsky does some recon. And at the end of the episode, I love the juxtaposition here as well. So, at the end of the episode, Olinsky and Voight are getting drinks. And Olinsky did some recon. And it turns out that this guy that Antonio was meeting with is a state's attorney who does quite a bit of work with Denny Woods. But the thing I love here, I love the juxtaposition because you had Jay and Ruzik and Upton and Burgess at Molly's where everything's all bright lighting and they're having fun and it's all happy. Voight and Alinsky, meanwhile, are at this like dark kind of dive bar and Voight's just drinking his beer and Alinsky's like eating olives or whatever. It's just a great contrast that I love. But this guy's a state's attorney who does a lot of work with Denny Woods and so Voight just says, or I think Olinsky asks if he's a rat and Voight just is like, I don't know what it means, but they're definitely coming from us. I don't care what anybody says. I don't think Antonio is a rat. Antonio is not a rat. There's no way.
2: Yeah. I don't even think, I don't think the writers are that crazy where they would bring Antonio back only for him to be hated for going against intelligence. Like, I don't think they're that stupid and especially Everyone loved Antonio. They hated that he went to Justice. They're happy he's back on PD. There's definitely something bigger happening there, for
1: sure. Yeah, Ashley, thoughts? Yeah, I don't think
0: they're, like she said, I don't think they would bring him back just for us to hate him again. Like, hate him, because, like, that's just not
1: right. They learned their lesson with Atwater. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, and... Bringing Antonio back just to flip him and turn him into a villain, that would be one of the dumber writing decisions we've ever endured. I think I've ever seen in life. He's never been that
0: type of person where we hate him. Like, we always like him. So why would they turn him down to make us hate him?
2: I don't think they are. I think, yeah.
0: Like, I don't, yeah.
1: Yeah, so... That was crazy. So, I mean, we'll see what's going on there. But, God, what is going on with them? It's just so weird.
2: I think this whole thing, the whole Antonio Voight relationship has been the most confusing part of the season. I really still still don't have a lot of thoughts on. Like, I haven't formulated them properly, so I'm not going to say it. But, like, it's just been so confusing and so unexpected. Like, I didn't think going into the season, and especially Antonio coming back, I didn't see all this butting head stuff.
1: Yeah, and even in the (laughs) early seasons, they didn't butt heads like this. They butted heads, but they always kept in mind that they had the same goal. And this season, they're butting heads for weird reasons. Yeah. It's, like, unproductive. Totally unproductive. Yeah, it's totally counterproductive to the unit. And, I mean, I thought Void had a pretty good respect for Antonio. And this season, they've kind of unraveled that so far.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Part of yeah. my language, but I curse a lot on this podcast.
1: But what the fuck is happening? I don't know what you're talking about, Bryna. We talk like fucking ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so something else I wanted to bring up uh, that we didn't put in the outline, but we're gonna bring it up anyway. There were a couple little void things that happened here. So. One, or actually the one Voight thing that we wanted to talk about. So Denny Woods shows up at the end of the episode, and he points out to Voight that the complaint against Ruzik just kind of disappeared. He does call him Ruzik at one point, which I was like, bro, watch the show. That's wrong. And so he basically says that, you know, it's weird that this went away, and Voight's like, I had nothing to do with that. I really didn't. and But I love how he says it with that same, like, really sly smile that he always says everything with. So he says he has nothing to do with it. The other funny thing here is that Denny starts the scene by listing a bunch of random things. So I think he names, like, Tofu Chicken, Twitter. I can't think of what else. But it's a long list of things that Voight thinks are ridiculous. Which... I thought was hilarious. So our group text got a little eventful today. I kind of just want to go around the circle and everybody just name like a couple things that we think Voight would think are ridiculous. So I'll go first. Brunch. I said the concept of shipping. I said Snapchat.
0: Like social media.
2: Yeah. Hot yoga. I said live tweeting. I mean, he would hate that. I mean, he'd just be like, enjoy the damn episode already. (laughs) Oh, what else is there? I don't know. Um. We had a bunch. I mean, Gina just kept going yeah. and going and going. Gina was on a
1: roll today. It was making me laugh. I'm very <laughs> easily amused.
2: But if anyone wants to see more of them, check the hashtag ChicagoPD on Twitter because the PD account was retweeting a bunch of them, and there's a bunch of good ones in there. So if you want to see more, just cat the hashtag so
1: funny and I'm just looking back through our group text of the ones that I thought were, were most noteworthy so a lot of people said kale like kale smoothies said kale fidget, chips
0: somebody said fidget spinners yeah yeah
1: that's a good one. Oh, you um, said lady gaga
2: and keep did, it up
1: with the kardashians yes that too um man buns that was another one that he would think are ridiculous basically anything that like young millennials do he would think are ridiculous
2: yeah Someone said hashtags and then someone responded on Twitter, Voight calls them pound signs. Or no, the PD account responded, Voight calls them pound signs.
1: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) It was just a nice little reprieve from like the brevity of the episode. I thought that was really amusing. But yeah, all those things Voight would think are just so ridiculous. And I'm sure tomorrow I'm just going to think of random stuff and put it out in the group text and be like, you know random object and you guys are gonna be like yes gina white would think that's ridiculous carry on yeah gina's just gonna list
2: things forever and ever and we're not gonna respond and we're just gonna let her get them out
1: (laughs) yeah i'll screenshot it and post it on our twitter page somebody will think it's funny but (laughs) that was funny so i wanted to wrap things up tonight with a couple little random thoughts because the internet was you know the the fandom internet i mean like chicago twitter was interesting last night so I saw some chatter in there about the season so far, and more than a few people are of the opinion that this season is falling flat. And so I know this is something we've addressed, but do you guys, what do you guys think of the season so far? Is something missing? Yes.
0: And don't ask me what it is, because I have no idea what it is, but something is
2: missing. See, and I think, and I think I identified what is missing. I don't personally feel this way. I think if people think something's missing, like, Ashley, for you, I think it might be the fact that, like, Aaron isn't here anymore, just because I know you and I know what you liked about PD. And I notice it. Like, I notice it's different, and I notice that she's not there. And, like, I get it. Like, I like I totally get it. But for me, it doesn't make – it hasn't made it not enjoyable. And I think, in fact, you know, we've always said that as much as we loved Aaron – you know, it's kind of nice that we get to see a little bit more of other characters. And I get, and I've seen this on Twitter too a little bit that like, you know, is it really, we're getting to see a whole lot of other characters because it's really just been one character for a different episode each time. And, you know, how much can we really go into depth if we don't see for multiple episodes and blah, blah, blah. Okay, but we're also only four episodes in and like, they have to establish like, you know, a precedent that like, this is something they're willing to do and then they'll come back and, focus on other characters and stuff like it's not just all of a sudden that you know episode one starts and it's like oh we're getting a five episode antonio arc like that's not how it's going to happen you know we have to establish the precedent of like them willing to get more into each character and you know the fact that they're even willing to touch all the other characters is something we haven't even seen before and so i think like i said earlier i think this could be if it keeps going the way it's going and it's something we do get to see them go deeper into all these characters as the 22 season 22 seasons 22 episodes <laughs> unfold i think this we be hope we're th- here
1: for 22 <laughs> seasons <laughs> oh god yeah uh,
2: yeah i just i think it could be one of my favorite seasons so far I'm, I'm a really big fan of it but i know i've seen it on twitter as well and i'm not even that ingrained in chicago fandom but i, I know people aren't happy with it
1: yeah and I kind of agree with you here, Bryna. Um, The only thing that we love more than sports analogies here are One Tree Hill analogies, because that's another <laughs> show that's very near and dear to the three of our hearts. But again, that's another discussion for another time. But I compare this to season four of One Tree Hill, where you had the first three seasons that were kind of on the same level. And then in season four, the drama got raised to another level. And I feel that's what's happening here is that, you know, we had the first four seasons and they were the kind of stories that you would, you would expect to see on TV. We're in season five now and the drama has been ticked up a notch because these aren't just stories you would see on TV. These are stories that reflect the real world right now. These are real stories, real issues that are going on. And so everything's been kicked up a notch. And as far as, you know, the fact that Sophia left and now we're seeing different characters, that's what we've wanted for a long time. Right. We've been begging to see more of Ruzick and Atwater and Burgess and Al and everybody. So it just feels like everything's been taken up a notch. So I don't feel like it's falling flat. I think it's been fantastic. And, you know, with that said, like Brina said, we're only four episodes in. Let the season find its groove. You know, just we're wait not it out. gonna we're- see
2: big arcs. To start off the episode, you're going to see how the first part of a season is always going to be kind of the aftermath and kind of tying up the loose ends from the season before that. So we're kind of finally starting to see the ends of Lindsay, hopefully being like tied up. I mean, assuming she's not whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. But, you know, we're finally kind of starting to see that all tie up. And, you know, Upton being a little more settled and all these things. And then they're going to move into the story and the season arcs and whatever they're going to do for season five. You know, we kind of have to, you know, finish wrapping up season four a little bit and then move on. So I I think people need to give it a little more time.
1: Yeah. And even then, though, I mean, at, at the rate we're at right now, I'm OK with these bottle episodes the way they've been. I mean, I think they've been fantastic. But yeah, it's only it's four episodes in, you know we're not even a fraction of the way through i
2: think people's fears though are that they're doing all these bottle episodes and they're great and you know we love them to death and then you know we're gonna get basically through every character having like their own bottle episode and then the middle of the season is just gonna be all cases all procedurals and no personal stuff and no this and no that and i'm like just like calm down just like and see that's me like
0: They're doing all these episodes focused on, like, everybody. So, like, what's the second half of the season going to be like?
2: I think, hopefully, it's just going to be more in-depth. I think, you know, that's... There can't... It's not like it can't be more than just one Burgess episode and one Ruzik episode and whatever. You know, I'd hope that, like, you know, season... Or episode 15 is another Burgess, Burgess episode and that, you know, we get to see more Burgess in a different situation and whatever. Like, I hope it's not just one it's not like there could just be one episode where they get to be the main focus just because that's how it's been in the past doesn't mean that needs to be how it is in this time. And I want to
0: see like, I I like how they're focusing on like one person, but like I'm kind of miss like the, when they all work together and there's like a big case load thing. Like it was past seasons.
1: Yeah. I think part of it is, you know, I think anytime any sort of change happens in life or TV or whatever, people are kind of resistant to it at first. So I think everybody's just kind of resistant to change right now. But, you know, it'll work itself out. But, yeah, I, it's an interesting point you bring up, Ashley, because, you know, I, now that you say it, you know, the teamwork is not as prevalent as it was in past seasons. Or it's in
2: smaller groups. Like, we've definitely seen more partner stuff this season. Like, we've definitely yeah. seen more, like, you know – Jay and Upton, or Atwater and Ruzik, or Antonio and Burgess. Like, we haven't seen them all as intelligence, but we've seen them more as partners, which I kind of like. And we haven't had that many bullpen
0: scenes either. Yeah. Like, where they're all
2: in the bullpen at the same time. Yeah, but I think that's part of what they were saying. You know, they've said it in a lot of different interviews. You know, I think that's part of them trying to get out into Chicago more. And the fact that, you know, they're – getting more permits to film on location and all that stuff. I think that's all part of that change. Um, so I think it's just more of them trying to get out into the world of Chicago. Maybe that'll change when it starts getting just too cold to actually physically be filming outside in Chicago.
1: But we'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see. But again, guys, four episodes. I mean, four episodes out of like a 23, 24-episode season. we got a long way to go. So. Yeah. Um, The last question that I wanted to bring up, because this is something else I saw a lot of chatter about, is Upton fitting in with the unit? What do you guys think? No.
0: I'm not sold yet.
1: I was
2: more sold on it before this episode. Like, the fact that she was so willing to just kind of throw Ruzik under the bus. Yes, she kind of tried to go redeem herself, but it didn't really still pan out, because he's still kind of angry and pissed off at her. But... Um, yeah, I'm not so high on her right now, and I don't think she's fitting in that well.
1: Same, same. I'm exactly as you were, Bryna. I liked her a little bit more until last night's episode, because last night's episode just, I, I don't know, you're you are lucky to be part of intelligence if you're in, and so for her to act like it was such a pain in the ass for her to get the witness to recant her story, like... Okay, so sorry. That was such a burden on you to look out for one of your teammates.
2: Right, Emma? like, no one asked her to do that. She did it herself. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ruse. I guess he kind of asked her to do it, but, like, he never also said, I want you to go to the witness and get her to take back her statement. You know, he just said, I want to be on the same page with our own stories. Yeah. So she yeah. she chose to do it herself, but, like, it's still, she's, she shot herself in the foot.
1: She really did. I'm not, after last night's episode, I'm not too crazy about her at the moment. But again, four episodes in, a lot could change. But I'd say overall she's fitting in. I think last night was a speed bump. But we'll see.
2: We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. She, maybe she won't. She, for all we know, she could only stick around for a couple more episodes and then be gone.
1: Can I just say, if we're coming into a storyline of, like, who's the rat with this Holy Antonio thing, my money's on Upton. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so I want to like her, but, you know, if she's going to bitch and complain about, like, oh, poor me, I had to be a team player, then. This
2: reminds me of Jin. Oh, like Jin. the whole like Jin storyline, you know, like he was part of intelligence and he worked and whatever, but like he got blackmailed and he had to do bad things and turn on intelligence and then he got shot and he died. The end. The end. That was the end of Jin.
1: <laughs> Moral of the story, Boy. as I've said before, don't ever turn your life around on the Chicago shows.
2: Right. So but I could Rest see Update being not maybe she won't die, hopefully, but like I could see it being like that. Like She's being blackmailed into doing something to turn on intelligence. <gasps> or maybe she's working with Denny. Holy shit. <laughs> maybe Denny sent her in because he is the thing out for Void. So maybe she has been sent in to get some intel and blah, blah, blah. Also kind of like on fire when, when they brought in Jeff and the other guy and everyone thought Jeff was the one who was like, the secret spy or whatever but it turned out to be whoever else they brought in at the same time and jeff was actually really cool and blah 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 blah. so many (laughs) theories
1: going through my head no i'm i could i could absolutely 110 percent see that and i wouldn't be surprised in the slightest me either
2: guys let us know if you think these theories could be true because we're i'm rolling on this bandwagon
1: yeah, and we love headcanons. We love to like speculate and throw theories around. So join the fun. We love that. So, yeah, um, I can't think of anything else we had to cover. Overall thoughts on the episode? What did y'all think? I thought it was an A. I thought it was super good. Yeah, I thought it was good too. Same. And I, I rewatched the episode today during my lunch break. And I know I texted you guys right after and I was like, holy shit, that was a good episode. Yeah, but it was for sure. solid. So. Yeah. Yeah, So I think that's all we've got for tonight's episode. Uh, As always, you know, you know where to find us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's us at molly's right across the board. Email, meetus at molly's at gmail.com. Guys, we love, love, love when you get in touch with us. We don't care how long the message is, we will read all of it. We love to talk to you. So get in touch with us. Let us know what you thought about things. If we're wrong on something, tell us nicely, but tell us. And yeah, that's about it. So we will see you guys on Monday where we will cover season six, episode four, four. Yeah. Four. I can never remember this of Chicago fire. Um, yeah. And so we will see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.